Howdy, y'all. This here's Ken, the Pinball Rebel. And you can bet the farm I'm listening to TopCast, because it's bigger than heck in half of Texas. You're listening to TopCast, this old pinball's online radio. For more information, visit them anytime. www.marvin3m.com slash TopCast. Welcome to another edition of TopCast. Today's technical show is coming from the Department of New Recruits. Because Norm is not available today, as usual, he's still in rehab, getting himself sorted out as it may be. We have a special guest technical advisor to step in and help. I'd like to introduce Eric A. I'm sure everybody's heard of Eric A. We never say his last name. And we're not gonna. Because well, you can't. Yes, because you can't. Eric, how are you doing today? Just fine. How are you doing, Shaggy? Good. We've got a lot of uh, very special, special things to run today, like usual. I mean, everything we do is special. Have you ever noticed that? We don't do anything that's not special. It's just kind of how it is. Okay, Eric. So, first thing we're going to run, we've got a new, a new thing going today. And that new thing is... Uh, We've got a special news advisor now that we've taken on. And, um, you know, I'd like to introduce uh, our, our special weekly news update show. It's time for Mort's Weekend Update, the week's news in pinball. So we have a new news correspondent. His name is Mort. And he's a, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a little bit wacky, but we're going to let him have his own little show here. So I'm going to introduce Mort. Hello, this is Mort, and I'm here with the Weekend Update Show. It's a weekend pinball update show that I'm doing over here. It's my own show. It's special for me. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's very nice of you to come on to listen to this thing live on the radio. I got a couple of things I got questions about, and I want to tell you some things I know for sure. They're absolutely true that I made up myself. Thank you. That's true. Well, there's this fellows, these fellows, the Norman Shaggy, and they're on this radio show, and they let me be on it, but I don't understand why they never tell me when it's going to be on. I listen for it every week, and they only hear me whenever I want to hear me. And, then, and I don't even know when they're going to be on, because they never tell me. And whatever happened to this Norm guy, it's supposed to be Shaggy and Norm, and I never hear this Norm guy. He's never around. What is the matter with him? Is he, is he sneaking, sneaking off into some foreign country and doing something strange? I don't know what he's doing. So I don't get it. You don't know what. And I'm getting really pretty nervous about this. And I. Mort, uh, <laughs> uh, Mort, just take it easy, buddy. L- listen, you know we do this when we we got to do this. All right. You, you, you dig what I'm saying here, Mort? Oh well. Never mind. They got this classic playfield reproductions. Guys are making are going to make a haunted house class. Now why do they call it classic playfield reproductions if they're making haunted house classes? That makes no sense at all to me. Why do they do that for? They make us all crazy over here. Why do they call them glasses anyway? I mean, I've got a set of glasses, and I don't have nothing on mine. Mine just have the word Japan written on the side of them. What's the big deal about having a haunted house written on your glasses for? I don't get it. Mort, that's because they silkscreen the play fields, and they silkscreen back glasses for pinball score glasses, too. That's why they're a silkscreening company. You get it now? Oh, well. Never mind. 
there's going to be some more games coming. It's going to be very big and big, big and fancy games coming out. Going to be a Spider-Man game coming out next. That's going to be really cool. It's going to have all kinds of neat things on it, and you're going to be able to play it. It's going to have some neat things at the top. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love that thing. It's going to be great. Everybody, I saw pictures of it. No, I didn't. I just pretended like I did. But, but if, you, if you see the game, tell me what it's all about. But anyway, I heard the next, next game after that one is going to be Wheel of Fortune. Now, that should be good. That should be just be like this World Poker Tour that everybody loves so much. Bro, no, no, that was a good game. Everybody liked that game. That was a good one. So maybe this one will be like that one. And then rumors have it that there's going to be a Monty Python game. Now, I don't know much about these Monty Python games. I don't even know what it is. It's something to do with a flying circus, but I never saw nobody flying in it. There's no flying circus people. And then another thing I saw was very crazy. Somebody went and actually, some guy, some guy who sounds like he's a vegetable or something, something about a corn or something. I think he's a vegetable. I think he's a vegetable. But he told us how fast the ball can go. He got he figured it out. He went and he took a caliper or something, like one of those little things, and he put it on there and he checked it out. Maybe he took a ruler in there and then maybe a caliper. I don't know what he did. But he took one of those things and he figured out the ball goes at 7 miles per hour. That's 121 inches per second. That's pretty fast. You'd think it would be going like 100 miles an hour, though. I mean, I shoot the ball. I know it goes 100 miles an hour. But maybe those Shaggy and Norm, maybe they can take him again. I trust him a lot more than this other guy, the vegetable guy. And another thing, why is there two shows in the same time? Two pinball shows the same weekend. Next weekend, there's going to be two pinball shows. One's in New York, another one's in Texas. That's pretty far to go. You can't get to one from another without taking a plane in there. And I don't know which one to go to because I don't know which one. One may be better than the other one. I don't know. They don't. Why don't these people talk to each other? Why don't they say, give them a call on the phone. Say, hello, I'm having a party. I'm having a show. Would you like to come to my show? And maybe you wouldn't have your show at the same time. What is up with that? Why do they do that thing? I don't understand it. Well, I can see by the shaggy guy poking me in the side that it's time for me to go. So, listen, everybody, I really like being on here talking to you all and telling you all the pinball news because I know everything that goes on in the whole pinball world and what's good and what's not. So, thank you for listening and I hope you can come back again and listen to me again if they'll let me back. And you had it here first on Mort's show, Mort's an update show on the radio, internet, top casting. Yes, that's where you heard it at. And it's really good. And we got, and, ah, ah. So long from Mort's Weekend Update. It's nice. Did you, so, Eric, did you, do you like Mort? Mort sounded like he had everything going together. Okay, Eric, it's time for me to ask what new acquisitions you have. Um, so what? It, tell me your story. You bought some games this week. Okay, I need you to tell me what you bought. Well, actually, a few weeks back, I went out and got a very, very nice Earthshaker. And uh, the funny thing about that one was it was actually fully working. Bought it with dead batteries. Took it home, put it in the garage, and the only thing that wasn't working on it was the California Fault uh, lever and solenoid underneath the play field after I replaced the fuse. So when I went ahead and uh, checked it out, turns out somebody rebuilt it with the spring on the wrong side of the assembly. So it was having a little bit of a difficulty pushing against the solenoid. And how long did that take you to figure out? Um, about 10 minutes. How long do you think it should have taken you to figure out? About two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it was only ten minutes, and not like four days, like yeah. it would have been me. 
You know, I mean, was it obvious or was it just like, uh, uh, duh? If you'd never seen one before, what have you known? Well, the first thing I did after I replaced the fuse is when I activated that solenoid and it didn't actually function, I went directly to the assembly. You know, they had some nice tape on the up, upper side of the play field. And once I took that off and it still didn't work, I went directly to the assembly underneath. Hmm, nice. That's real nice. I'm I'm working on a uh, acquisition this week, but it, I'm very very superstitious about these things. So until it's actually in the garage, I don't like to talk about it. I oh. I think it jinxes it. It's okay. just kind of a personal policy I have because I find that the walls listen. Well, you know what? That's very true because I almost lost the Spider-Man that I got today. Oh, so you had another acquisition? Yes, I did. I got a Spider-Man in the back of my pickup truck right now. And what? How did that come about? Um, a friend of mine. Wait, uh, is is we don't know him as D U something, right? No. Okay, good. Okay. I didn't want to make sure it wasn't that quote friend. <laughs> okay. No, it was actually another friend. A lot of people probably know him. Ken Debel is his name. That's that. That's not. No. Okay, good. Just making sure. Um. Ken Diebel, he contacted me, said he knew somebody that had a Spider-Man in his basement for about 15 years. So I was hoping to get something that looked home use only. Needless to say, it did not look that way. And I went to his house today after last week of supposedly going, but he had too bad of a hangover to actually <laughs> sell it to me. And when I showed up at his house, uh, he wanted $400. I told him 350 and he said no. And I said, all right, 375. He's like, okay. And I got it out of there as soon as I could. How's the play field? Uh, it's got some wear. How's the back glass? Very nice. How's the cabinet? Very nice. How are the uh, battery corrosion? Um, it's there, but it has not destroyed the board. It's just beginning leaking. Okay. All right, enough of your silliness. Okay. Uh, you're making me jealous buying all this stuff. Okay, we've got another little segment to run. Um, this one is... It's time for Play of the Week. Okay, we're here with Trent's Play of the Week. Trent, so you've moved up from fifth to fourth player in the world in pin professional pinball playing. Great move, buddy. Have you been practicing? Absolutely not. I need to do that. What, did you forget? No, I just haven't had the time. Okay, well then I'm going to, you know, did I mention that I'm number six? So I'm going to be coming up on your butt. I'm ready for it. You were ready for it. Okay. All right, we'll so what's Fred's Play of the Week this week? Oh, the Play of the Week this week is everybody's favorite game, Black Rose. Wait, Black Rose, that's the cheap man's Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Well, yeah, some people would refer to it as that. Yeah, because uh, it's actually, uh, it's a sleeper. I would consider it a sleeper. It's a, it's a novelty game. Not a lot of flow, but uh, some interesting gadgets. Okay, well, tell me about what's, uh, what's your Play of the Week on this one. Well, uh, to get big points, on uh, Black Rose, you want to destroy the ships, sink the ships. Uh, to do that, you have to spell sink ship. Wait, wait, wait. Is there a big ship, ship, ship in the middle of the play field like there is on that pirate thing? No, there's a big cannon. Oh, okay. Sorry, cannon, sorry to interrupt. Ship. Keep on going. And the uh, so anyway, to spell letters and sink sink ship, uh, you get in a multi ball. Now, what you're supposed to do in multi ball is uh, light the lock with the in-lane, shoot the left loop to uh, light the lock, lock the ball, get another ball kick out, lock it up there, third ball kick out, and then every shot, every major shot you make, 
uh, gives you two ship letters, sink ship letters. When you spell sink ship, you can sink a ship. Uh, and you can stack those, of course. Wait, wait, wait. To uh, sink a ship, what do you got to do again? To use the cannon thing? Well, you have to spell sink ship, first of all, and then you have to load the cannon. Okay, and how do you load the cannon? You load the cannon by looping Davy Jones' locker with the upper right flipper. Uh, you shoot that enough times, it'll open up and shoot it underneath it. That's Davy Jones' locker. Cannon will come down, start to turn, press the fire button, hit the flippers, and bam. The shot straight up the middle is the uh, ship shot. Okay, and once you do that, well, then what happens? Well, the ship sinks. You get $20 million the first one. Is it like an animation? Yeah, and, and it's great. You know, the game's got great graphics, great sound uh, to it when you think of the ship. The whole game really has really cool sound. Yeah, and it's and, got know, who that doesn't love a pirate babe? And it's got the pirate babe on the back glass, which I've never seen any pirate movies where the pirate babe was dressed in like a tight one-piece bathing suit. Yeah, well, yes, yes. A pirate bathing suit, if you will. <laughs> That's uh, Linda Deal artwork. Good for her. Okay, so so anyway, so how do you rape this thing for big points? So anyway, like I was saying, uh, you're supposed to uh, lock one ball, lock the second ball, start multi-ball. Every shot gives you two ship letters, think ship letters. Uh, what I like to do instead of that is light the lock, lock the first ball. It'll kick out the second ball, plunge the second ball. Uh, it'll kick out the first ball, so now you've got two balls out there. Lock the first ball again. And when you do that, it starts a timer for about 20 seconds. Now, while, while you're while counting down, you're supposed to be locking the second ball. However, at that point, you've got a one-ball multi-ball going. I like to just collect letters for as long as possible, 20 seconds. That ball kick out again, you know, lock it right back again for another 20 seconds, keep collecting letters that way. Now, you only get one letter when you're playing the two-ball multi-ball instead of two, but, you know, when you've only got one ball to control, it's a lot easier. So you're so in anyway, a multi-ball. As many sink ship letters as you can and start destroying ships. So you're basically in a multi-ball mode with the ball locked over on the left side, right? Exactly. That's okay. what you do. Okay. And that only lasts 20 seconds, you're saying? That's 20 seconds, which is a lot longer than you think when you say the word 20 seconds. So it, after the 20 seconds, it kicks the ball back out, but then you Correct. just lock it again and do it all over. Yep, exactly. Rinse and repeat. Yep. Okay, okay. Any other tricks? Oh, nothing really in that game. You know, big points of what you got to do is keep destroying ships. You know, there's like three video modes in it that are kind of stupid and silly, but uh, yeah, for the big points, just keep uh, keep playing multi-ball, destroying the ships. It's a novelty. It's kind of a novelty game. That cannon thing and the and yeah. the video modes are goofy, but they're kind of they're kind of unique. You know, like it's a real novelty thing. You can get pretty big points on broadside, uh, but it can be difficult if you're really good at hitting the center shot and you get broadside started. Just keep shooting that center shot, and it, it doubles every time you shoot it. What's broadside uh, now? And the max depends on what the operator has it set on. I think it maxes out at 64. What's what's broadside? Oh, broadside is one of the modes. There's a bunch of uh, lightning bolt inserts going up the center of the play field, and every time you shoot that center shot, every other time you shoot that center shot, it'll start one of those modes. Three of them are video modes. One of them is broadside, and then there's a couple others I can't remember. I think extra ball is one of them. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. Any uh, any other tips on that one? Do I have any kids? No. God, you need to get a new phone. Do you have any kids? <laughs> no. Are there any other tips? Tips? No, I have no other tips for that game. Just listen to the pirate. <laughs> listen to the pirate. Now, just curious, why did you pick this game? 
because when you called me, I was setting it up in the location. Really? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever played it in competition? No, I don't think it's that good of a competition game. Why? It's too easy to rape? Well, it's not easy to rape, but it's different. You know, there's just not enough stuff to do. It's pretty linear. But you find something where it forces you to play more stuff on the game. Okay, here's a real tough question. Which do you like better? Pirates of the Caribbean or Black Well, Rose. I'd say Pirates is probably better. And as a tidbit, here's a little trivia for you. Uh, if you get far enough into Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, you do get to fight Black Rose. Really? Yes, you do. Well, that's kind of cool. You know, and what Williams, ex-Williams programmer, do you think put that in there? Yeah, I'm sure there probably was. Yeah, okay. All right, well, that's Trent's Play of the Week. Thank you, Trent. No problem, Clay. All right, you take care. You too. That was our Play of the Week. Oh. And now it's time for everyone's favorite game Game of the the week. Okay, everyone, now is the time to look at the webcam on the homepage of TopCast. Yes, now we're going to be discussing uh, the Game of the Week. And Game of the Week, actually, this week was something that Eric picked out, not me. Um, not that I dislike this game, but this is Bonsai Run, the Pat Lawler classic, actually his first game with the vertical play field, which we're showing on the webcam right now. And it's, uh, it is really a cool game. It's a System 11 game. It came out in what, what year did it come out? 88? 87? 88, I believe. Yeah, 88. So, uh, System 11, um, and it's actually a, a well-implemented game. I mean, it really... I'll look it up. Yeah. So, here, here, we got Eric actually playing it here. Yeah, so when you see the ball drain really quick, that's yeah, why. Yeah, that, that's going to be Eric when it when you see it drain. Actually, he's not playing it just yet on the webcam, but he's going to be. But the cool thing is, of course, you're, you're trying to race in a motorcycle race against other riders, and you're trying to go become king of the hill, more or less, and you're, you fight them on the hill. Okay, now here we're showing on the webcam the prototype Bonsai Run that was built in Lawler's garage. This is how he got the job at Williams. Is he basically dragged this thing in. He knew Larry DeMar. Larry did the programming and dragged this game in. Okay, here you go. Trivia question for a free Cliffy protector, okay, of your choice. What was the name of the Pat Lawler prototype? It was not Bonsai Run. And that would be one 800 if you know the name of the prototype Bonsai Run. Eric didn't know it. Am I allowed to say it now since I know No. It? Come on. No, no. I want no, a Cliffy protector. No Cliffy protectors for you. Those things are awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got a bunch of them, too. Cliffy keeps sending them to me, and I keep forgetting to give them away. But anyways, here's Eric playing the game. He's really He hasn't drained yet, but he can't get the ball on the upper play field. I want to show it and go out to the upper play field. Here we go. So you see you got a little magnet that drags it up to the top get it up to the second level okay so you got to beat the first hill now he's got it in the second hill okay so now the, the game automatically flips it up to the next flipper on the hill now he's got to make that final thing and of course eric drops it <laughs> he can't just can't do it now he's going to do this about 14 times there he is he's going back you know he's going we're going to put it back in the upper play field and uh you know he, come on eric can you make the shots i mean what Listen, you got me here for tech work, not playing ability, all right? Uh, yeah, he owns like 1,400 pinball machines, and he, and he can't play a single one of them. But you I know, can fix them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we don't really know that you can even do that. It's still the, I think the jury's still out, Mr. I burn up my playfields to take off Mylar. 
I never said I could clean them either. I just said I could <laughs> fix them. <laughs> Here it is going to the upper play field again. Okay, can he make it? Hey, no, cool. no. And there's even a ball stop that comes out between the flippers, the two vertical flippers. And there you can see Clay getting really sick and tired, so he just grabbed the ball. Yeah, back just grabbed the ball and put it up there because Eric just cannot make the shot. Okay, he's going to try again. He's got and again, he failed. <laughs> so there I am again, trying to get the ball. You know, I got the glass off, and Eric just—is he ever going to get to the top of the hill? That's I don't the next think question. so. Yeah, let's see. Oh yeah, there he goes. There he goes. He made it to the second part. Okay, so the game puts it up to the second part. Can he make it? No, he dribbles it down. <laughs> so, anyways, you can see Eric actually owns this game. But that's our game of the week: is Bonsai Run, the 1988 Williams Classic. By Pat Lawler. Okay, so we're going to switch the webcam back to uh, to our ugly our ugly mugs. See now, I might own that game, but I've never actually played a full game on it since I've owned it. Why? Because the play field is being fixed right now. By who? Am I allowed to say? Sure. Oh, Playfield Renovations. And why did you choose them? Um. So far, the people that I've seen have the best luck with those guys. Well, what do you mean? What have you seen? And what, what did you like about them? Uh, their quality of their work. Um, I had sent it out to some competition. and Oh, you mean this play field had been somewhere else first? Yes. I'd rather not say who it no, was. No, I, I, I don't want you to say I don't want you say anything but you know, bad. Let me put it this way. The person that did have it, I must give them credit. They realized that it was above and beyond their abilities, and they sent it back to me free of charge. So they did handle it in a very professional, business-like manner. Okay, well, now we're going to do another tech series here. Uh-oh. This is something special, brand new. We're going to run it right now. And now, TopCast is happy to present I Survived System 80. Presented by the man with all the answers, Curb. Hey everyone, it's Curb with a quick System 80 tech tip. This tip has to do with the speakers, volume pot, and the connectors. System 80 is known for bad connectors, but some often overlooked are the speaker push-on female connectors. These are very brittle and can often break and leave the speakers not working due to them being connected in series. Remove the soundboard connector and locate the audio out pin on the schematics. Gottlieb grounded the other side of the speakers, so you only find one audio out pin on most System 80 games. Take a D-sized battery with the negative attached to the ground bar in the bottom of the game. Then take the positive side of the battery and touch it to the audio out on the soundboard connector. The speakers should all push the cones out away from the magnets, indicating they should put out some sound. Inspect the weak speaker connectors and volume pot if you have trouble. Volume pots rarely go bad, so just turn them left and right a few times to try to clean off any buildup on the rheostat. Don't forget to check out the System 80 repair guides and the great System 80 This Old Pinball DVDs at Marvin3M.com. Shoot Shaggy an email if you have a System 80 tech tip that you'd like us to cover. Hmm, what do you think? I want to know if they're real stats or potentiometers. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a pot, isn't it? I believe so. I think a stat is basically just a higher wattage version of a pot. Okay. You know, so it's a small technicality. So you say potato. And I say potato. 
Or we could say it in Armenian, too. <laughs> and how would you say that in Armenian? I don't know. Okay. So here we go for our next little segment. And now it's time for Tech Tip, Tech tip of, the of, week. of the Week. All right. Tech Tip of the Week. This one was an interesting one, and you're going to have to sit back and listen hard on this one. Because I was uh, a friend called me with a Monster Bash, and he said, this guy doesn't know anything about, about games other than where the start button is and the power switch. So he said, you know, I turn the game on, and it goes pop. And, you know, I start a game, and I put the ball in that center hole, and it sits there and just kind of looks at me, and then everything starts going out, and Dracula comes out, and it seems really confused. Will you come over and fix it? So, you know, being the nice guy that I am, I go over to the guy's house, and the pop, pop, pop was the um, the hole kicker, the vertical up kicker that, you know, the hole dead center in the Monster Bash, the 1988 Williams classic monster bash has this kind of hole that loves to get chewed up where you know it seems like the ball is gravitates to there so what happens is there's an optic switch inside that hole that senses when the when the ball is in there so you got like a basically a beam of light you've got a uh, basically a, a flashlight an infrared flashlight that signs over shines over to an infrared receiver and when that light beam is broken it thinks the ball is in there and then it, it fires the vertical up kicker to kick the ball out. Well, on this guy's game, there was that wasn't working. That you know that switch for whatever reason wasn't working. So, Eric, what do you think the logical first course of action would have been at this point? What would have you done first? Probably put the game in switch test mode. And I did that. I put the game in switch test mode and found that indeed that switch wasn't working. Okay, so that's uh, step one. What was the next thing you would do? I, the reason why I'm putting you on the spot is because you'll see I went astray here in, okay. in this repair, and, uh, you know, we'll see why. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what you would do next. Next thing I would have done is to make sure that neither wire was broken off either the emitter or receiver on those little circuit boards. <clears throat> and essentially that's what I did. I pulled the... Um, it actually, just two screws for each side pulls that whole receiver and transmitter right off the assembly. And then I used one of these Radio Shack infrared sensor cards. You know, you could use a digital camera, too. And I could see that the transmitter was working. And then I have a little pen flashlight that I store, keep with me. And I actually shine it in the receiver end. And I notice in the switch test that it made no difference whether I had the flashlight on the receiver end or not. So I pretty much determined that the transmitter end was working, but the receiver end was not. So what would you do next, Eric? I would have gone to the head and gone to the CPU board and find out which wire was supposed to be going in there and made sure it was still in a connector. Okay. I, I didn't quite do that, and I'll tell you what the next thing I did. is I, I broke it down a little bit further than that. I did eventually do what you suggested, but I did a couple steps before that. The first thing I did is I got out my voltometer, and I put it across the two leads of the transmitter and saw 12 volts. So even though the Radio Shack sensor um, told me that there was, you know, that that was working. I just wanted to verify that there was actually 12 volts there. Maybe the voltage was low, so maybe the light beam wasn't as strong as it could be. Who knows? So I figured, you know, it just takes a second. So I measured 12 volts on the transmitter side. Then I went to the receiver side and again put my meter on that and it shows 12 volts. Then I took my flashlight and shined it in the receiver and I could see the voltage drop from 12 volts down to 0 volts. So what did this tell me, Eric? It told you the receiver was working. Right. It tells me that the receiver's working. So I've got a transmitter that works. I've got a receiver that works. But the signal is not being interpreted by the CPU. So Eric's suggestion is... 
Well, the easy way is to go to the CPU board to see if the wire actually came out of the connector. Well, what I did is I pulled the um, the column and row switch connectors off the CPU board. So if you remember, the switch matrix is eight rows by eight columns. Okay, so across the bottom of the CPU board, you've got connectors for the rows and columns. I pull those off while the game's in switch test, and I take a little alligator clip, lock it on, you know, uh, pin one, row, which is row one of the you know of the switch rows and then I touch it to each one of the column pins and just see what it does on the on the dot matrix screen and it showed every ro- every column working then I do the same thing I take my alligator clip move it to pin 1 of column 1 and then touch each one of the rows and it shows me each row is working so I know that the eight rows and eight columns are working so I know that it's nothing on the CPU board so it's got to be something between the CPU board in that transmitter. So what do you think I did next? Well, you could have gone back to the, I believe there's an opto board underneath the game. There is. Okay, and on that board itself, you've got several chips on there, and I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, so that's exactly what I did. I went to the opto board, and what it is is, I, at first, I always check the connectors coming to that board because they're IDC uh, insulation displacement style connectors, and they they typically they can break or the connectors. Do you know what IDC bad. stands for? What? Intensely dumb connection. Yes, yes, it, that's 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 correct. I believe that because okay. I like the crimp pins too. Just want to share that with you. That's good. Thank you. So um, I pulled that board off. I looked at the connector to make sure that on the male header pins on the board that there was no crack connections. I buzzed. I actually knew the wire color coming off. Coming, I knew the wire color coming off the um, uh, the wire color that was coming off the uh, the opto, and what I did is I chain is I I um, followed that to the um, oh man we lost our webcam sorry I I got a little uh, just got a little weird there sorry the webcam's off for temporarily. Anyways, I, tra- I knew the wire color, and I traced it to the board. I knew which pin it came in on that board, and then I traced that to first its resistor. So I measured all the resistors to make sure none of the resistors were open, because sometimes the resistors go open. And then I measured a continuity from the resistor to the LM339 chips. There's three of these LM339 chips that are very much known to go bad. So I figured out it was U2, so I knew which chip it was. There's also a bunch of 1N... 4001 diodes too. Mm-hmm. I checked those with my meter too to make sure none of those were shorted or, or whatever because those go bad too. So and basically it led me to this chip and I thought, gee, it could be nothing else. It's got to be this chip. Other than one other minor thing. One other minor thing that, that I, I overlooked. You, you couldn't have. I overlooked it. But you tell me, what do you think? But thinking? you wrote that guide. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Okay. Well, tell me what. You, these wires are also daisy chained throughout the play field. Say that again, please. These wires are also daisy-chained throughout the playfield. Say that one more time, please. <laughs> These wires are also daisy-chained throughout the playfield. <laughs> very good. I did not think of that right off, and I very carefully cut out the U2 chip with a little pair of very specialized cutters, and then heated up each one of the pins remaining in the board, pulled them out, then took my solder sucker and clearly carefully sucked out all the solder on the chip and then replaced it with SIP style socket and a new chip and it didn't make any difference. It still didn't work. So Eric, say one more time. Wires (laughs) are daisy chained throughout the play field. 
<laughs> hey, I got a question for you. See, that really yeah, yeah. Fun. So this is the thing. This is the first thing I should have done. I went to the manual. I looked at the switch matrix chart in the back, and it shows all the rows and columns for each switch. So I find that switch, that opto popper switch, okay? And I find the row and the column it's in. And what I do is I go down the column, and I toggle each switch in the column and every switch worked in the column then I did the same thing for the rows and guess what none of the switch worked except for one one switch worked so I immediately knew that there was a break between that switch and all the other switches and it's real easy when when you do this you always start at the switches at the farthest back of the play field because that's where the wiring harness comes in and that's the first switch in line that gets daisy chained so I followed that from the first switch to the second switch and at the second switch the wire was broken okay so then I reconnected that wire and guess what Eric <laughs> these wires are daisy chained throughout <laughs> the play field <laughs> it worked it worked so that was <laughs> You know what? I oh no, go th- ahead. Okay, I, I really think that we might have uh, somebody telling a fib here. I don't think you wrote that repair guide. I think <laughs> it was Norm. Yeah, yeah. I, I often wonder about that myself too. But uh, anyways, tech tip, tech tip of the of week. week. That was bonehead tech tip of the week. So you know, I was very systematic in the whole thing. I'm sure you were, except just, just checking for the obvious. You know, Eric, I would like to say that nobody called us on our one eight hundred number nobody called with the answer to um our answer to our, uh, our our trivia question on on bonsai run are you sure somebody's not on the phone no <laughs> <laughs> no the line's not busy nobody okay. called so and we're going to run our next segment which is another trivia constant but i, I want to just tell you that the name of the prototype bonsai run wait wait can i say sure wrecking ball that's right wrecking ball that's what it was called, Wrecking Ball. So I got it right. I get the Clifford Protector, right? No, you don't. <laughs> you no, know, you don't. So now we, we move to our, our next uh, little segment, which is another little trivia thing. You know, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the arcade. Conundrum. Hi, people. It's the Corn, and welcome to this week's version of the Conundrum. Here's how the game works. I give five clues about a game's identity. That's up to the listeners, that's you, to call in and guess what game it is. Pretty simple, right? If nobody gets it, I keep giving more and more clues until someone nails it. What is this week's prize, Shaggy? This week's prize are the famous Cliffy Protectors for the game of your choice. Cliffy Protector City. Alright, let's play. Clues number one and two. This is a Gottlieb System 80 machine. Clue number three. It's designed by John Trudeau. Clue number four. It's a wide body. And clue number five. A bunch of sounds from this game in no particular order. It is not Black Hole. Do not call and tell me it's Black Hole because it's not. Think you know what it is? Then call in. Shaggy, give him the phone number just in case they've forgotten. 1-800-375-2529. So Eric, do you think anybody's going to get this? Um, I know the answer. 
You do? Yeah. Well, don't spew it out. I'm going to give the next clue. Okay. Clue number six. This game has two play fields. Well, if you took a saw to it, you'd have two play fields on any game. <laughs> Clue number seven. This game has a spinning backlash animation. Does that help, Eric? Yeah, it's got to be Black Hole. It's not Black Clue Hole. Clue number eight. This game has six flippers. It's got to be Black Hole. It's not Black Hole. God, how many times do I have to tell you that? This is a, a tricky one. I can't believe it. nobody is getting it. Man, we've got two trivias. Who's listening out there? Like, you know, the clue number nine, two of those flippers are in the outlanes. Oh, boy, that really helps. It's not Black Hole. No. And clue number ten, this game has six, count them, six slingshots. Six flippers, six slingshots. It really is. Think you know what it is? No. Then call in. Shaggy, give them the phone number just in case they've forgotten. 1-800. Okay, that's Korn's Conundrum. And now we're going to take a little break. And hopefully people will call in. and uh, Phone call. Yep. Topcast is brought to you by Marco Specialties, your pinball parts superstore. Visit their website at marcospecialties.com. You can search for parts by game name, game make, or part number. Marco Specialties was founded in 1985 and is headquartered in Lexington, South Carolina. They specialize in pinball parts, supplies, books, and anything pinball. Marco has been online since 1996 and is the web's oldest and largest pinball parts supplier. Their new 12,000 square foot distribution center services 25,000 customers in over 50 countries. Feel free to call Marco Specialties at 803-957-5500. Marco Specialties, your pinball parts superstore at MarcoSpecialties.com. Do I? Okay, we've got John D. on the line from Battle Creek, Michigan. John, can you hear us okay? Yeah, I can hear you good. Okay. John, what, what game do you think it is? Um, gee, I don't know. I'm going to guess here. Uh, Black Hole? <laughs> don't say Black Hole. Uh, Spirit? It is. Gottlieb Spirit. Congratulations. Do you own that game? No, I don't. Okay, good. I'm just checking. I, <laughs> you know. So, what, uh, what Cliffy Protector? What game do you need a Cliffy Protector for? Uh, wait, wait, black hole, right? <laughs> <laughs> need a real big one for that one. Yeah, real big. Um, see, a Cliffy Protector. How about um, looking? Okay, you took too long. Sorry, we're disconnecting. Next okay. Yeah. <laughs> next caller. Next caller. All right, I'll tell you what, John. You think about it, and you email me okay. Shaggy at Marvin3M.com. Okay, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get that right out to you, all right? Sounds good. All right, thank you very much for calling. Hey, thanks. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so now we're going to do open up the lines to uh, any tech questions. You have any tech questions, I need you to give me a call at 1-800, and we will take your tech questions on the air. And uh, we'll be right back after a couple ads. <laughs> Hey, George, I just had to call and tell you about this really great magazine I got. It's called the Pin Game Journal, and it's the only magazine dedicated totally to pinball. It's got great articles and interviews with designers and everything. No, George, I won't loan you my copy. Who knows where you'll take it to. You're going to have to go to PinGameJournal.com and get your own subscription. But, George, the guy says that each issue 
will get mailed whenever he feels like it. What's the deal with that? All right, George, I gotta go. Gotta call Elaine and tell her. I can't believe how good this magazine is. Pins and Vids Episode 2, Attack of the Phones, is now available at pinsandvids.com. It's the best Pins and Vids yet. Double the fun and half the underwear of the first episode. Surely to be nominated for an Oscar for the best use of fake phones in a niche video, or best special effects during a dream sequence. Worth much, much more than the $6, including shipping selling price, it's worth at least $7 or $7.50. Get your copy now at pinsandvids.com. And now for a word from our lawyer. The entire sale price goes to the Pinball Hall of Fame. First episode, also available. Some pinball machines were hurt during the filming of the Pins and Vids, but they were old. Get your deranged DVDs on Coin Up Goodness now. Okay, while we're waiting for a, uh, anybody to call in that has any tech questions, again, the number is 1-800. Eric, do you know what that 1-800 number spells? No idea. No idea. 1-800. I better not say. Um, <laughs> tech question. Hi, you're on the air with TopCast. How can I help you? Yeah, this is Rex in Oregon. Hey, Rex. How you doing? Fine. Good. Can you hear us okay? can hear you just fine. Great. So what uh, what kind of question do we got for you? Well, uh, F1 on my I have a white water and F111 uh, blows on it about every 50 games or so. And that's the that's the fuse that runs uh, the flashers go out and then the topper lights go out, the chaser lights go out. Right. Basically you're that's the uh, what the 18 volts for the flashers and that the flasher or the lights in the topper 12 volt bulbs. So yeah, but when the when the uh, when the when the when the fuse goes out, the the playfield flashers go out, and also the uh, the the top there. It's a five volt volt slow blow. You mean a five amp slow blow? A five amp slow blow. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you got any ideas, Eric? Uh huh. Okay. I got a couple suggestions. One, make sure that you don't have any five 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 bulbs in the topper. But you say it doesn't blow right away; it blows after a while. Yeah, and those bulbs would have smoked pretty quick because right. the five-five-five bulbs are, are six-volt bulbs running in a twelve-volt circuit. They would last about I don't know, maybe thirty seconds, maybe. Right. But if you left yeah. an old one in there, I, I put I, when I got the machine, I, I read your guide that told about things on Whitewater, and I I bought brand new one ninety fours. I think they are right, right, and uh, replaced every bulb up there. Okay, good. Good. Next, right. what else you got, Eric? Uh, bridge rectifier. Leg shorted on that. Yeah, that would blow the fuse immediately, though. If you got one leg shorted, though, I've actually seen it where it'll run because that filter cap is pretty substantial, where it actually filters out that AC ripple, but under time, a slow blow fuse is going to blow. All right, that's an idea. I would back it off a level, though. This is what I would do. I would break the system down into smaller chunks. First thing I would do is I would disconnect the um, the 194 bulbs, all of them. You know, there's a connector somewhere that runs power to that that waterfall thing on top of the back box. Yeah, I would it, goes, it goes to the. Uh, there's a chaser board up in the uh, up in the top. I could disconnect the voltage off of that. Right. Disconnect that. Connect the board that chaser board and you know the, the power that it outputs to the lamps just take that whole thing out of the system and you said it takes about 50 games to see if it blows yeah okay then i would play 50 games <laughs> and just see you know what happens um i have a suspicion that it's still going to blow 
because I don't really think that that's the problem. But it, what you're doing is you're you're just breaking things down. Is it the is it the chaser lamps up top or is it the flashers? Okay, so let's assume that it does still blow. Okay, so what's your next course of action? The next course of action is to look at all your flasher bulbs under the play field and that. Just kind of make sure you might have some sort of uh, situation where one flasher bulb is very close to something else and maybe through the vibration of play you get um, either one of the lugs of the flasher bulb it vibrates enough to touch some other maybe a GI lamp socket or or uh, even the frame of a, a metal solenoid or, or anything enough to maybe blow that and just kind of give every every one a visual inspection and make sure you do look at every one um, and yeah, I I did that to a degree, and one of the flashers that I saw that sort of concerned me is very exposed wires underneath Bigfoot's cave. It's right above the pop bumpers there in the boulder garden. Right. And so I sort of insulated that flasher, the 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 bare lugs, a little bit to see if that was the problem. Okay. And what what did you do to the, the lugs? I don't understand. You said inflated? Insulated. Oh, insulated. Insulate. Sorry. Insulated it. My bad. <laughs> Um, put a little put a little shrink tubing on on the uh, flasher so that it right nicely if done. The, if a ball got kicked up there, it wouldn't it right. wouldn't uh, hit the uh, flasher. Okay. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you actually have there's a the flasher circuit has individual transistors that drive them. Correct. That is correct. Okay. Well, the next thing I do after that is if you got a meter, stick it on current reading, and then run through every flasher and see that. As you're running it, you're not getting a higher current draw on one flasher than another with your meter uh, in the fuse holder. Yeah, you can, the meter. you can run that uh, that test. What is it? All lights and all flashers test. But I would go individually. Oh, you would? One at a time flashers and see which one, if any, draws excess current. Compared to the others. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the only time you're going to run into a situation is if you have one circuit that's running two flashers as opposed to one flasher. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess in theory you could have a bulb that's causing an issue. Again, or the I transistor see, itself. Or the tra- yeah, or the transistor itself. Uh, you know, those would be a couple good hints. Um, you know, the other thing, if you wanted to actually try and break the system down a little more, uh, the flasher system down a little more, you could actually remove the connectors uh, associated with any particular set of flashers and play your 50 games and see what happens. If you think you have a hunch that any one particular flasher or a group of flashers is, is causing you a problem, and just keep on trying to make the system smaller and smaller. And if you come to the conclusion that it, you can't find anything, then you back up and do Eric's um, Eric's uh, replace the bridge rectifier and replace its associated uh, filter cap. And um, if it's still blowing, then uh, then I'm lost at that point. Yeah, and, and you know, about every, about every again, and it don't happen at the same time, but about every 50 games or so, it it will get the uh, you know the WPC reset thing going too. So I, I've got on order. I've got um, BR2 and its filter cap on order, and I'm going to replace those for good luck. You're saying that the whole game is kind of resetting and it forgets its memory. No, no, it just gets the, um, you know, on WPC games, your site, where, where, uh, where the, uh, on your site it says that there are reset problems with the whole game, you know, it'll, right. it'll, it'll go like it got a slam tilt. Uh, uh, the game but will it, reset. Um, yeah, the game will reset. But yeah. I mean, a slam tilt is different than a reset. Um, you, you, but you know that, right? 
Yes, yes. Okay. But it'll, it'll, just, it'll just start the whole game over. Right. Well, for, there's, here's a couple other things, too, for the reset issue. Is it a game of re-import? I'm not sure. Okay. Check your jumper in the bottom of the cabinet. At Actually, it started simpler than that. Go and look at the serial number sticker on the back and see if it, or and actually there's one on the inside right wall of the cabinet too. And just look and it'll say either the voltage is 120 or 220 or 240. And if it's 220 or 240, that means the game was re-imported. But anyways, go on, Eric, I'm sorry. If, if it is a re-import and you have to replace that jumper to convert it from 220 back to 120... Yeah, make sure it was done right. Yeah, well, sometimes that connector in the transformer plug will not seat real well. And I actually had a problem on my, tra- on my Twilight Zone where that pin was almost barely coming out. So as you were playing the game, you'd get this intermittent reset periodically. You'd move the play field and it'd go away for a while. In addition to that, the edge connectors where the 5 volts come in to the right side of the power driver and to the left side, reseat those connectors. And yeah, he's talking about J101, 102 up on the upper right, and then on the lower left, right above the GI connector and below the um, uh, the ribbon cable on the driver board. He's saying if you get any, if if you reset those and you get any different behavior, like your resets went away, that's an indication that those connectors are, are that you have issues with those. Um, as a general rule, whenever I replace BR2 and its associated filter cap, I always replace the connector pins for J101, always with new Trifurcon uh, okay. pins. I, I, I've really come to the conclusion that those things are all very, very uh, linked, and that you know it's just uh, a good way to, uh, a good thing to do. Um, is yeah, to I'm do looking that. at the sticker inside. Yeah, and it, it says 120 volts. Okay, then that then that was a uh, that never left the country or never that was designed for North America. Then you know if it says 120, uh, that game never left. So that you know that that's just uh, I, the reason why is like the MOVs are different for the export games, and a lot of times people don't change those out, and some other little minor issues that we don't really need to cover now because you know it, it was a domestic game. So, but anyways, give those a whirl and do me a favor. Send me an email and let me know what you come up with because this is the perfect stump the chump article for next week. You know, so we can see see how we did or see what you figured out. But you know, keep in touch and let us know. Shaggy at Marvin3m.com. Send me an email and let me know how uh, how you work. You know what what uh, resolution you came to. Okay. All right then. All right. Thank well, you very much. Sure. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Once again, their number is one eight hundred. If you want to call up with any um, tech questions. And in the meantime, uh, we also have on the website where people can email in tech questions. And I've kind of been keeping a, uh, a little working uh, uh, library of them. And here we've got a guy, Frank, from New York. Um, he has a 1978 Bally Playboy. And his question was, my lamp driver board does not seem to be working. The MPU boots up fine. Sound is good. All the switches on the playfield work. Um, he does say, however, I'll hit a target and sometimes the bumpers will fire. Eh, we'll come to that in a second. But even though the switches work, none of the, none of the CPU lights turn on. I check the test points and I, I get 5 volts. Do you have any ideas? So I don't know what test points he checked. Um, but the, you know, there's two sets of lamps. Or, or two circuits of lamps on that game. There's the general illumination, which is when you first turn the game on, the GI comes on. It's kind of like flipping a, a switch on your, on the wall and the light comes on type thing. Then they all run at six six volts AC. Okay, that's the the GI. 
I don't think he means that. I think he means the computer-controlled lamps because he talks about the lamp driver board. Though you know, I don't, he didn't really uh, he didn't really say, but I suspect that's what he means. And those are actually driven by a separate circuit running off six volts DC. Okay. Now that power comes from the rectifier board in the bottom of the cabinet, and there's a test point on that board that you need to check, along with an accompanying fuse and also a bridge rectifier that filters the um, you know, whatever, 7 volts AC down to 6 volts DC, okay, or vice versa, I can't remember which. So you need to check that test point on the rectifier board to make sure you have power there. And then if you have power there, I would lift the play field and put one end of my DMM, my digital multimeter, on ground, and the other end on um, this kind of like, you'll notice that between each one of the computer control lamps, there is like a, a braid wire that brings power to each one of the lamps. It brings the positive side of the power to that. Just kind of make sure that you have 6 volts DC there. Because if you don't have 6 volts DC there, none of the lamps are going to work for whatever reason. And that could be either a connector problem or, again, that fuses out on the rectifier board. Because what that lamp driver board does is each transistor on the lamp driver board actually grounds, completes the circuit to ground for any particular lamp as told by the CPU board. Okay. Now, in regard to his question about when he hits one switch and it fires the wrong coil, um, I would check the connector on the solenoid driver board on the lower right side. It's a small connector, uh, a .100 connector. I would just pull that thing off, run just a little piece of sandpaper over either side of the mail pins, plug it back in, and see if anything changes. If something changes, that means you've got a problem with one of those connector pins. Um, Let me see if I got this right. He's saying if you activate one switch of a pop pumper, it triggers another solenoid? Yes. Okay. I've actually run into this exact problem. Yeah, me too. Specifically on a pop pumper. Right. You know what? It, it could also be the caps. Uh, besides that, right. when somebody replaced these coil sleeves at one time, they pulled all three coils out and swapped two of them. <laughs> I swear to you, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, the other problem could be are the, uh, the .05 microfarad, uh, capacitor disc capacitors that are on on uh, the switches for the pop pumpers, those like to go bad. So a lot of times, if you just cut one end of those off and see if anything changes, that'll that'll tell you right away if if you've got a problem uh, with those. You know that that is that's a real common problem. Plus, too. look to see if the wires look pulled like they're real, like the wires are pulled really hard, like they don't belong on that solenoid. Chances are they don't. Hmm. Any other interesting tips that you want to add? I was going to say the capacitor thing. What capacitor thing? Well, like they short sometimes and... Oh, you mean the disc capacitors? Yes. Right. Okay. Okay, well, we're going to take a, a little break here. And, again, if you want to call in, it's 1-800. If you got a tech question or, you know, you just are highly opinionated and you want to speak your mind, I guess we can let you do that, too. No, we can't. Okay. <laughs> All right. Topcast is brought to you by Pinball Life. Give your pinball machine new life with parts from Pinball Life. We ship pinball parts worldwide. Pinball Life is located in the great city of Chicago. Their phone number is 773-202-8758. We have an open door policy and you're welcome to call us with your questions and concerns. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Their website is at pinballlife.com. Pinball Life. No hassles, just the parts you need fast. You all right, Eric? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I meant yeah. <laughs> Did you drop the microphone? <laughs> Almost. Okay. 
All right, so uh, while we're waiting, uh, we've got another tech question that somebody emailed in. This guy's name is Ben. He's working on a United Orbit Shuffle Alley. Okay, And his question is, I have a 1963 United Orbit Shuffle Alley. My problem is, is when I throw the puck twice, the pins go up, but I don't get any points, and the player and frame unit does not advance. However, when I manually turn the score motor, it detects the pins and gives me the correct score as well as advances the frame in or its player, player unit. I am 99% sure that I have the fingers lined up correctly. not really sure what he means by that. But any, any answers? Um, sure. Uh, the first thing I would check is just the lane. This is, of course, an electromechanical, so Eric is useless on this regard. Hey, I picked Glasgow's game yesterday. What, what, what did he have? An electromechanical. Yeah, what was it? I don't know. They all look the same to me. <laughs> well, what did you fix? There was a uh, switch. Uh, his tilt relay bank was actually giving him a problem when he first got the game, and he thought he had a fix by cleaning all the contacts. But, of course, his color found that there was actually a cold solder joint. The wire was actually broken off. It was just touching the switch stack. Mm, very nice. I'm amazing, aren't I? No, you can't even remember the name of the game, so it kind of kind of mutes the whole thing. You know what I mean? Well, I remembered it was called a tilt relay. <laughs> That's nice. Anyways, back to the orbit again. Um, when he throws the puck twice, it's not doing any scoring. Across the back of the shuffle alley, there is a whole row of switches that basically tell the game that uh, the puck has been thrown and that it needs to register either the first or second shot relay. So what happens is, is you've got this whole kind of matrix of switches. So it's kind of shaped like a V, kind of like uh, you know bowling pins are set up in a, in, a, in a V formation. So the switches closest to the player like will raise the, you know, the number one pin, the number two pin, the number three pin, so on and so forth, to the number ten pin. Okay, so as the puck hits each one of those, it raises up the pins, associated pin. But then the very last row of switches that's furthest away from the player actually tells the game that the puck has completely passed all the pin uh, pin switches and that it should register as you know a completed shot. And then it'll pull in either the first shot relay or the second shot relay, depending if it was you know the first or second shot. So if you um, open up from the bottom of the game. There's usually like a metal plate that you slide out, and then you can see all those switches. I suspect that he has a broken wire because those switches, again, are all daisy-chained across the back, or those switches are misadjusted, or those switches are dirty, or the connector that connects all those switches to the rest of the game is uh, is dirty or, or has some sort of an issue, maybe a broken wire. So that's that's what I would check. I suspect if he does that... He'll, uh, he'll be good to go. Yeah, I was going to say, broken wire on a stack switch, right? That was a joke. Get it? No. I, I, can you explain that to me, please? <sighs> you know what? We make a perfect couple. You got a face for radio, and I got a body for one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got any other interesting tech stuff that you want to throw in, Eric? I know you always come across some interesting stuff. Hmm. There's nothing like dead air. I'm I love telling that, you, you that know, silence there, you know? My brain was frying thinking there for a second. I run into all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, I want to hear it. What, what do you got? Okay, how about this one? A while back, I was working on a taxi, pinball machine. And I called Clay, and of course, he wasn't any help. 
And I had I had a Black Knight 2000 displayed board in a taxi machine, and that won't work specifically because there are jumpers placed in a Black Knight 2000 board on the display board, whereas certain segments are stolen for the extra display on a taxi game. And it was really strange because you'd have to go back to the schematics on a taxi game and see that these jumpers weren't used on this board. Hmm. Okay, I know. Yeah, that, that one is a bit odd. Yeah. Okay. Here I got you. Know, speaking of odd, I got this email. Uh, this one's kind of interesting. I got it. His name is Scott. Uh, his location is San Diego, and he has a Bally Theater of Magic. He says, hi, I just picked up uh, Theater Magic, and both the trunk magnet and left drain magnet fuses were blown. There is continuity between the board and the magnets with no shorts. I disconnected both magnets and replaced the fuses. Plugged in the left drain magnet and it worked fine. Plugged in the trunk magnet. Fuse also controls the ball release. And I could tell that the coil locked on and the fuse blew. I replaced the Fliptronics board with a new pin LED board that I intended to put in my Indiana Jones but instead I put in the Theater of Magic. The game seemed to work fine for a while, except after 10 to 15 games, the trunk magnet fuse blew again. Replaced the fuse, and after a, you know 10 to 15 games, it blew again. Um, what, uh, what could possibly be the problem since I put a new pin LED board in? Well, it turns out that for games that... Um, that the Fliptronics board, which is normally used just to control the flippers... On some games like Theater of Magic, they used some of the transistors on the Fliptronics board to control other things. Since the game, Fliptronics board is designed to control up to four flippers, um, Theater of Magic only has two flippers, so they basically have some free transistors that they can use to control other devices. So, Pin LED actually has a modification that you need to make to their board to make it work in these style of games like Theater Magic, and you need to refer to their website. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I guess I would go back and put your original um, Fliptronics board in, and I also would check those magnets to make sure that they have good resistance, and, and just as kind of a rule, maybe if they are blowing a lot of fuses, you know, periodically, I would replace them. Because again, even though the resistance may check out okay, remember that coils are inductors, and with time, inductors do strange things if they've been uh, locked on for for periods of time where the insulation gets a little baked. Even though the resistance may not change, the inductance level might change, and it can cause fuses to blow. So I would replace those uh, those two magnets. So that, you know that's good. You, you got anything else you want to throw in there? Eric? No, I was thinking about that too. With the magnet actually being bad, you're kind of a liar, aren't you? Yeah, I just follow the master. I want to get called back. Can you folks tell? Yeah. Okay, Eric. Well, we've been going at it for an hour. Wow. Yeah, it just blew by, huh? I had fun. Yeah, you had fun? Good. Well, we might bring you back. Who knows? It's hard to say. I don't know. We'll have to get a poll going and see if you know people like you or not. I, I bet you a lot of people on IRC right now are going, what a brown noser. <laughs> All right, well, I want to thank Eric A. for coming in and helping us today because Norm, again, is still in rehab, getting his problems all straightened out. I think he's in the same rehab clinic as uh, Britney Spears. Really? I bet you he's having fun. Yeah, you think there's anything uh, going on there? Yeah, I heard Norm shaved his head, too. Which one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, again, thank Eric A. And good day from TopCast. And this was our technical show. And we'll see you all later. Have a good one. <laughs>